podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Brutal Nation, a podcast series that's dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of crime. So, I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is a giant Sasquatch. I only say that because I just, I, I just tagged uh, Tammy Underwood across from me in a, uh, a meme on Facebook that showed uh, parents who had hired a female Sasquatch costume-wearing person for Dude. their five- or six-year-old's party. The kids are screaming. I'm and- wanting to know why I wasn't paid to do that. I would in a heartbeat. It's right up your alley. You don't even need the costume. You know what? I'm not that hairy. No, but you, you're, you're built like a Sasquatch. Yeah, and you're, you're built like a Mack truck. So I, I am. I am. A big, fat, old Mack truck. <laughs> One of them old ones. Oh, yeah. I'm fucking totally old school there, man. <laughs> All right. So I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is Tammy Underwood. And today is a medical Monday. I know. I'm waving like they can see me. Hi, yeah, I was everybody. just going to say, you realize that this is a podcast and not a vlog or anything. They can't see what you're doing. So, Hi, everybody. And plus, we don't do porn, so can you put your tits back in your bra, they please? are, and you know what? You would be lucky if I pulled them out for you. My eyes, my eyes would boil in my head. I've never seen Sasquatch boobies. I don't want to see Sasquatch boobies. Yeah, well. They're scary. Keep, keep talking. You're going to see them. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I am not afraid to pull them out, buddy. You know, Just like to, you're not modest, I'm not modest. I'm starting to think that we have one of the most messed up podcast for serial killers jesus christ we probably do we probably do it's probably why they love us yeah probably and that and i'm pretty yeah they can't see you i told you before you they, have a face for radio oh my god they can on the fucking promo oh, page. oh that's true if they do go to our promo page they can see you you're right but, i apologize i apologize everybody that you have to see him but you do look way better than me so what do you got for yeah. me tam tam okay anyways this one is dr harold shipman you say ship as in uh, as the in boat? the boat. Or, okay, I thought it really sounds like you say ship, I know. man. I know, I know. Anyways, his moniker is Dr. Death or the Good Doctor. Mm, the Good Doctor yeah. comes to town. And normally we do a quote, but I think it was very prudent. And I did some digging because um, the Hippocratic Oath now has been changed so much over the times. I did some digging and I found the original one. Oh, shit. Yeah, cool. so I'm going to do a quote. Uh, excerpt on the Hippocratic the original Hippocratic Oath I swear by Apollo Healer by Asclepius Clepius, by Hygia by Panacea and by all the gods and goddesses making them my witnesses that I will carry out according to my ability and judgment this oath and this indenture I will use those dietary regimens which will benefit my Patients according to my greatest ability and judgment, and I will do no harm or injustice to them. Neither will I administer a poison to anybody when asked to do so, nor will I suggest such a course. Similarly, I will not give a woman a pessary to cause abortion, but I will keep pure and holy both my life and my art. Now, I say that because... You should follow that shit to, to this day. Yeah, well, I mean, granted, there are some things in there, yes. I mean... You know, okay, but, but well, and the pessary to cause an abortion is actually a very medieval object that I would not recommend anybody use. Right, that's where you get the the, the word pisiotomy. Yeah, it, it comes from that, that's the root word of it. Yeah, but yeah, you know, because a lot of and this is just my own thing. Before we jump in, is that 
I do a lot of natural herbs for my body. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't take very many chemical-type drugs, with, with few exceptions. Like, I need an albuterol inhaler. Right. Um, because I haven't found an herb that works as good as that does. And I take, uh, you know, well, butrin right. for depression. Right. And that's really, that's about it. Everything else I try to do pretty much right. all natural. You know, well, and I take naproxen. Uh, right, but, but that's for pain management and everything. So Right. It's not like it's a narcotic. And I feel that nowadays that a lot of doctors prescribe pharmaceuticals. And I believe that pharmaceutical, well, all doctors prescribe a pharmaceutical. But uh, a lot of it is nothing but chemicals and poisons. Oh, yeah. Just I mean. Like that one quote that you had, which is uh, the difference between, what is it, uh, poison and a medication. Something about the dosage. Yeah, 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 exactly. God, I wish I could remember it. Cause I would yeah, me too. Again. I wish I could remember it too. And I have it down here somewhere, but. Yeah, no, that's totally true. I mean, and a lot of doctors, unfortunately, are quick to prescribe meds when they're not needed in certain situations. Uh, the, um, the worst part is when they don't tell you the freaking side effects. Oh, I know. Cat Williams has a huge fucking skit about, you know, act about it, about how, you know, if you actually look into the side effects of the medication they're prescribing, the side effects are worse than what you're actually suffering. <laughs> I'm going to give this little story before you start, and you already know this story. So... Um, with my antidepressants, they weren't working very uh, as effectively as I thought they should. So my doctor prescribed me generic Prozac, not telling me what the side effects are. And me going, okay, my doctor knows what she's doing. If it was something bad, she'd freaking tell me, right? Right, right. <laughs> so like a week goes by, and I have one of those high sex drives. And all of a sudden, like, I can't, like, maintain an erection. I can't orgasm. Oh, Christ. Oh, Christ. I hit, I hit that. I'm at that age. Yeah, I'm at that age. And what the hell's going on? So I'm feeling like worse than not taking any antidepressants at all. Oh, yeah. Might as well just sit in the corner and cry yourself to sleep. Oh, exactly. Like curl up in a ball. So (laughs) I'm in the shower and I had a little Blue's Clues moment. I I use this term a lot. I found a little paw print and put it in my notebook. I went to my thinking chair. (laughs) While you're in the shower. While I was in the shower and I'm like, wait a minute. This all started about the time I started taking this new med. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I started looking at it, and it said that one of the one of the most common side effects is you won't get an erection or can't maintain an erection, which mm-hmm. that was my problem. I couldn't maintain one, and you're not going to be able to orgasm. Son of a bitch. That, I, th- I think that's the first thing my doctor should tell me, honestly. Yeah, that is something, especially if you're a man, yes. Yeah. It's just, she should have said, you know, oh, by the way, Scotty, um, you know, if you take this, this is the major side effect that, that that's most common. Then I could have, at least I would have known. Yeah. You could have made an educated, you know, decision then. Yeah. And you know how they treat that, by the way? More Wellbutrin. Yeah. They give you Wellbutrin. <laughs> and I'm talking to the doctor about this. Well, you know, it's a different doctor than the one that I had because I had to do a, over a uh, Right. A Zoom meeting call with her. And she says, well, we just prescribe you Wellbutrin. Uh, it's sweet cheeks. I already take Wellbutrin. You didn't butrin. call her sugar tits? I didn't because she's a doctor. I don't want her to say, oh, really? Arsenic. That works great for you. <laughs> um, no, I she, got something for your ass. <laughs> she actually had a good sense of humor. Um, but she goes, yeah, that, then I don't know what to do for you. I said, well, it's really easy. I'm not taking the damn things anymore, and the problem resolved itself. Yeah. So Pretty yeah, much. That's my little pharmaceutical poisonous yeah, story. Yeah, look into your meds, dude. Look into your meds. No Ask for the side shit. effects. Yeah. No, Ken, or at least read about that shit. Yeah, Puck. precisely, precisely. Okay, so anyways, Harold Frederick Shipman was born on January 14th of 1946. He was the second of three children to Harold Frederick Shipman Sr. and Vera Britann. 
And his family was actually considered a working class family as his father was a truck driver and they lived in the Bestwood Council Estates in Nottingham, Nottinghamshire, England. I knew that had to be freaking England as soon as you said Nottingham. Nottingham. And I started thinking about Robin Hood. I know, right? (laughs) Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest. Running through the forest. I keep telling you that. Oh, well, you know what? I'm old. I don't fucking run. So they're walking. (laughs) They're jumping fence and dodging. How do you rock, walk through the forest, jump fences, and dodge trees? You have to run to jump a fence. No, you don't. To I have, jump it effectively, you have I to have run. I have walked up to a fence and look at that big bitch right there. And then leapt your fucking Not, fat ass over it? Put my fucking hands on top. No, I wasn't fat then. And I just kind of gave a little jump and boosted my ass over. And went, oh, hey, I jumped the fence. Okay, cool. Okay, whatever. However, it's reported Nottingham and shit. That his childhood was considered far from normal. His mother had such an influence over his life that it would carry over into later years. Oh, mommy issues. Yeah, pretty much. Young Freddie wouldn't be allowed to hang out amongst his peers. However, that was more of his mother's influence than anything else. Uh, she made it quite obvious to those around around her that her family was better than everyone else's and that he was her favorite child of the three of the three because he's the one that she felt had the most potential okay you know what already she's a cunt sorry i know you don't fucking i I mean i don't know if she's alive or not honestly but honestly if you're if you're alive lady you're really a fucking twat well no and that's what i'm saying is like i mean i only have one child so it doesn't really apply to me but i know for a fact that parents have favorites in certain areas i mean like let's just Okay, let's say, I'll use you for an example. Oh, shit. No, when it comes to certain things, like um, responsibility and stuff, your daughter's your favorite. 100%. When it comes to other things, like technical shit and everything, your son's your favorite. I admire them On different levels, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, Cassie is the sweetest girl on the planet, and Jake is the laziest. Right, however... You know, they each have their own qualities that you admire and that you, you know, you respect them for. And I dig that, but still, I'm not going to go to like either one of my kids and go, you know, you're my favorite child. I know, among right? Because I think that you're better than the rest of them. Right. Because I'm honestly, I've, Jake and I were just talking about this. I have spread my seed far and wide all over the, all over the globe. I probably have like 900 kids or some shit. You probably do. <laughs> I am not going to argue that point. There's probably some little Chinese kids out there. Oh, we're going to eat the dog. And they go, fuck me running. Oh, that's an Alexander boy right there. That's definitely. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, so it's like, yeah, so don't make it obvious to everybody and your own other children that who your favorite child is. I mean, we have a running joke in my family, but whatever. Um, So Vera made the decisions of who he could and couldn't play with at any given time. She also made sure he stood out from the other boys by having him wear a tie when her other children were allowed to wear more casual clothing. Jesus. Yeah. So, Christ. in other words, I picture it like this: they're out in shorts and a t-shirt. He's in this like tie with a sweater vest and everything else. You know what I mean? You ever try to do anything super active when you're all dressed up in like a? Well, for me, it'd be a suit and a tie. But for you, like, let's say a business suit. Uh, no, like yeah, a power no. suit. No. You want to know why? Because you fucking can't. Yeah, you can't do it. No. <laughs> no, because I wore a, like a, I mean, a nice like dress suit to my daughter's sister's wedding. In Florida. And, I mean, I looked really nice, but when it came to the dancing, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to even bother. First of all, I was wearing my hooker heels, and you don't wear hooker heels when you're this big anymore. 
Yeah, I don't wear my hooker heels anymore either. But then again, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to work the truck stop to make money. You so. know, well, good thing you've progressed in life, huh? That's right, Asshole. man. I have not got any more doors. Anyways, and her sis- his sister Pauline was seven years older than him, and his brother Clive was four years younger. So there was somewhat of an age gap. But still, everyone around knew which child was near and dear to her heart. Um, Shipman was considered to be somewhat of an intelligent student when he was younger. But as he got older, that brightness would start to dim. By the time he reached where, he, where we here in the United States would consider high school, he was considered mediocre at best. And he had to take his MCATs twice before he could get into medical school. No, well, I've, it's I've, our MCATs. I don't know what it's called over well, there. Well, I know, and I, I've I've friends that um, that have taken theirs in the past, like when I was in college, and some of them had to take them two or three times. That's a hard test, man. It is a hard test. It is a hard test. Yeah, um, that's but considering how intelligent he kept thinking he was and how superior he was to everybody, the fact that he had to take them twice is kind of laughable now to us. Oh, it on is, the outside, it is, but it isn't. I mean, think about it when when you're told that you're better than everybody else and you're smarter than everybody else it really makes you in my mind not try as hard because you think i've already got it you know and i love using myself i i've I've said a million times that me and my brother phil are the greatest social experiment ever you are but you know for me i was always told that i was dumb as shit right um even when i made honor roll you know right and uh and was told there's no way that you did this you're lying until i brought home the poster from school and while that's abusive in many ways, it made me try harder. Mm-hmm. But then again, that's my personality. My personality is if you tell me that I can't do something. Oh, yeah. You're very competitive. I'm that hold my beer guy. I yeah. am. Hey, there's no way you're going to get an A in that class. I'm a really, motherfucker? You know what? I'm not just going to get an A. I'm going to get a better score on every test than everybody else. Because right. I will not sleep. Yeah. I am very fucking competitive. You are very competitive, <laughs> which I think is really funny in our dichotomy because I am just as competitive. <laughs> oh, I know it. You and I are having a com- competition yeah. over who gets the most on you know, each well, episode. But anyway, let's go ahead. just say I'm winning. So twat. So he was. Um, it also seemed like no matter what he did, he could never seem to fit in. He was what most would consider a talented athlete, and he was quite a star in both the football and track team. Perhaps he didn't make many friends because he grew up being told he was better than everyone else, so he himself actually believed it to be true. Whatever the reason, this air of superiority wasn't the only thing that kept him isolated from those around him. By this time, his mother was also dying from terminal lung cancer, and he would be a major support in her last days. Well, that's understandable. Mommy was sitting there patting his ego since birth, it sounds like. You know, so of course he's going to be at mommy's side. And that, that, that's not saying like if your parents are dying that you shouldn't go right. be supportive of them. But, you know, I just, I, I already, I kind of see a really inappropriate bond. Kind of me too. Very inappropriate. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even saying necessarily sexually. No, no, no. But I'm just um, saying in the, in the verbiage that's being used. Right. And... The way that she's saying, you're better than your brothers and sisters, you're better than anybody else around us, you know, and blah, blah, blah. That's that's inappropriate. Yeah. 100%. It does more harm than good. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so um, 
Looking back, many people have compared the way uh, Shipman took care of his mother in her final months to how he would act during the time he was committing his murders. Although he continued to go to school every day, he would take care of her when he was done with his classes. So after he left in the morning, it seemed she would count the minutes until he returned because she found such great comfort in his presence, which I can see. Okay, yeah. I you can know, because I know when my dad was on hospice, he really enjoyed every time I came to see him. You know. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. I don't get to see Cassie that often, and when I do get to see her, I really do. I count down the minutes. Do you? When I you know do. you're going to see her? Oh, yeah. You've, you've heard of the daddy's girl? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm also... Uh, the daughter's daddy? I'm the daughter's daddy. That's yeah. That's totally yeah. it. Yeah. So, without fail, after his last class let out for the day, he would rush home so that he could make his mother a cup of tea and sit down with her to tell her about his day. Now, since there was no such thing as self-administered pain medication pumps, nor was hospice a big thing in that day. But what, what year is this? Um, 1963. Okay, okay. Because you may have mentioned that. No, I didn't quite. I don't think I mentioned the year. I just know he was in high school and he was born in 40s, so. Oh, yeah, because you said that uh, World War One or some shit like that didn't. I didn't say anything about a war, but okay. You didn't? No, we were talking about that with another guy. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. Fuck. Y'all, no. I'm not feeling very good today, okay? Just to be upfront and honest. I yeah. kind of feel like no. shit. Um, yeah, so, so this was in here? the 60s. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, the medication pumps were there. Hospice wasn't really a big thing back then. Um, his mother's only relief from the agonizing pain that cancer caused her was whatever she could get from their family f- physician. So some people have said that Shipman was virtually fascinated by the way her pain seemed to miraculously slip away Every time the doctor gave her a morphine injection. So after he became a doctor and before became known what he was doing with his practice, it was often said that this whole experience is what gave him his endearing bedside manner. Okay. It's fucking morphine. Have you had? Have you had some morphine? Oh, yeah. They gave it to me one time. And it's a joke with me because I laugh about it now. But I was in the hospital. I I suffer from really bad migraines and cluster headaches. And so I was in the hospital one time because I just, I mean, I was thrown up. We couldn't do anything. I couldn't fucking see straight. And so I ended up in the hospital and the doctor said, is there anything I can get you before I leave? And I just jokingly said, a morphine drip. And he goes, okay, I'll set that up for you. And I'm like, oh, I was kidding, but okay. And so he set it up and it's like, I get this drip. I'm like, I got to go pee. So I stood up to go pee, and I was like, I don't think I'm going anywhere. <laughs> exactly. I had it uh, when I had testicular torsion. Oh, yeah. And what I found is that I could still feel the pain, but honestly, I didn't give a shit. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. That urologist could have come in and said, Mr. Alexander, we're going to remove your testicles with a dull, rusty butter knife, and then club <laughs> you in the head. I'd be like, fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> hold my man. beer. <laughs> yeah, hold my beer. Get yeah. that rusty butter, butter knife yeah, out there, buddy. I remember when my dad was on morphine because he was on hospice at the end. And he would get this glazed look over his eyes. He would tell me he hadn't had it. But then he would get this glazed look over his eyes. And he would say some of the most fucked up shit. And I'm not even going to tell you. You know what he said to me once. But I'm not even going to fucking talk about something. He said some other shit that was just like, what the fuck? You never answered the question about that. But anyway, go ahead. I'm never going to either. Let's get back to fucking the good good doctor here. (laughs) Yeah. So no matter how much he loved his mother and no matter how hard he tried to make things better for her, she succumbed to her battle with cancer on June 21st of 1963. Rest in peace, mama. 
Yeah. With her passing, Shipman experienced such a tremendous void in his life. Gone was the one person that made him feel like he was special, better than everyone around him. Gone was his biggest cheerleader, the one who knew, who knew that he would without a doubt achieve great things. All that he had left in that place was an image etched into his mind, etched into his mind's eye that he could he would recreate multiple times in the future. A patient finding sweet relief from their suffering with a nice cup of tea and some morphine. No, actually, if I was dying, that's the way I'd want to go out. Except exactly. that, you know, I'd want something. Like, a little bit stronger than tea? Way stronger. I, don't get me wrong. I have a good collection of teas in my home. You do. You do. But if, if I know this is going to be my last dealio, um, you know, I want a nice glass of scotch. Yeah. You know, something really like, uh, uh, oh, the name Blanton's is pretty good. It's I was going to say, I'd want some of that Michael Jordan tequila. Damn it. Yeah, that'd be okay. But yeah, I'd want to go out with that and some morphine and say, okay, adios, bitch nachos, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> bitch nachos. <laughs> Anyways, so um, after, it would be two years after his mother passed away that he would finally be admitted to Leeds University Medical School. Um, like I had mentioned before, getting in was quite a struggle, especially since he flunked the, flunked, flunked, flunked the British equivalent of his MCATs the first time he tried. However, even once he was admitted... The superiority he felt he had over everyone else didn't seem to carry over to his grades because they were just barely sufficient enough for him to graduate and get accepted into a mandatory internship program. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So he really lives up to the, I barely graduated from school. (laughs) That's not the doctor I want. No, me neither. I want the ninja doctor. Me too. Me too. Um So when his instructors and fellow students were asked about him later, most could barely remember who he was. Those who did happen to remember him could only recall how he would consistently look down on him like everything normal about the whole higher education experience was beneath him. Well, yeah. Think about it. It goes to behavioral conditioning. Yeah. We've talked about this with abuse cases. This is another example of behavioral conditioning. You're conditioned to feel like you are better than everybody else, and that's going to continually go throughout your life unless you do steps to change it. Right. Exactly. And one fellow st- student even commented when she said, or, or maybe it was a he, I don't know. It was as if he tolerated us. If someone told a joke, he would sm- smile patiently, but Fred never wanted to join in. It seems funny because I later heard he'd been a good athlete, so you'd have thought he'd be more of a team player. So this kind of struck me as odd because it's like I later heard he was g- a good athlete. So it's not like he was well known to be a good athlete. You know what I mean? It's just one of those impassing things. Hey, back in high school, he yeah, played a mean game college, of, yeah. of football because yeah. their football is, it's fucking soccer. That's yeah, pretty much. And I mean, and he, he did run, tri- I mean, I guess he was a good long jumper. Excellent long jumper. Shut up. And so it was just like, you know, but that was just like people barely remember that even. You know, well, and, it's fucking high school. You're in a medical school now. So, well, no, this happened in medical school. Yeah, that's what I said. It, that, that was in high school. No, he it, was a good athlete in medical school. Oh, is what I'm saying. oh, oh, I thought it was just in high school. Okay, no, my bad. no. I mean, because to this day, I mean, I was in high school back in the 90s. I had graduated in 93, and I went to a school in Iowa. And I was in track, and I held the record until the early 2000s, like like mid-2000s for one of the records there. And it's like, people still to this day, like, oh, yeah, Tammy held the record for, until this time. And I'm like, dude, I've been gone for how long? Stop it's, talking about me. It's got to be for shot put, because Sasquatches it are was fucking hella, you for hella strong. 
for discus, but shut same the thing. Fuck uh, up. See, no, damn near nailed it on the head. Yeah, I was very good at shot and discus, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I bet you. I were. can hurl the shit out of anything, and yeah. I didn't do the little twirl thing like they do in discus because I I get dizzy. So I had my own way of doing it, and I could hurl that motherfucker far. That happens when you're, you know, going through the woods, having to tackle animals. You know what? When you hold the record for almost 20 years, shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, so one thing that people definitely did notice was that since his mother passed away, he was actually a little bit more sociable. Well, yeah. Mommy's not there to yeah. sit there and suck at her teeth. Exactly. Something nev- Vera never would have allowed him to be when he lived at home, and she, and she was alive. One of his former teachers commented that he never seemed to have a girlfriend. In fact, the teacher recalled that he'd taken his older sister to the school dances. He was allowed to attend, saying they made a strange couple, but then he was a bit strange. Oh, okay. Nottingham is uh, the Arkansas of England. (laughs) Okay, understand now. I totally... Got the picture? Totally get how (laughs) Nottingham is now. It's the Arkansas of England. All right. (laughs) Okay, so two years after his mother succumbed to To cancer, she had Uh cancer. I know, but I don't know what I wrote here. Succumbed to cancer, and he was 17. Oh, his mother succumbed to cancer. He was 20. Where did I? I missed a whole sentence in here. Good Um, job. He actually met a woman. Um, He was... 19, she was 16 when they met. Okay, I have to go back and then rephrase this in my head because I totally didn't write this up. Um, and they seem to have a lot in common. Her mother, too, had so much control over her, her activities, and the friends she couldn't, couldn't have. So it's important to note here, um, they actually got married when he was 20 and she was 17. Okay. Um, and he did get married before most of his peers in school did, which was a shocker to everybody, considering he hadn't dated anybody. And he's antisocial. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, that would be a shocker but to me. But it's also important to note that when they got married, she was already five months pregnant with their child. Well, that kind of makes sense, too. Yeah. When you knock up your sister. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, shut up. I'm just thinking that he took his sister to the dance since Arkansas. So, I know, right? So after they were married, he continued to go to medical school, and he was able to get his degree. By 1974, the couple had two children, and he worked for a medical practice in Todd Morden. It's a town in Yorkshire. Um, in Yorkshire. Yes. Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> and when they moved to that North England town, Shipman turned into a different man. He was outgoing. He was a respected member of the community. And it came to the opinions of the medics he worked with and the patients he took care of. They all loved him. Now, it's important to note that medics here is like your peer doctor. They don't, it's not like the ambulance medics. Right. No, I figured that. Okay. I just wanted to make it, you know, because we here look at the term medics differently. Um, the staff who worked with him, his like uh, his direct peership, you know, um, at the medical st- office, say something completely different. They felt he was exceptionally rude and would often make them all feel stupid, which was his favorite word to d- describe those he didn't necessarily care for. Huh, okay, you know, like yours is twat. Yeah, mine's twat. His is stupid. Well, no, hold on, hold on. I say twat even to you because it is one of my favorite words. That it, is true. You it, have called me twat on occasion. It, it, it's either I'm calling somebody a twat because I don't like them 
or it can be a term of endearment. It's a multi-use word for me. Okay, well, I don't think it was stupid was for him, but okay. No, I don't think it was either. No, you, was just, you have on occasion called me a twat, which I, I pisses just, me the fuck off, but whatever. I, I just think that he was being a twat. I know. I get the random twa- text saying, look here, twat. And it's like, what the fuck did I do now? <laughs> it's a term of endearment, man. Okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, let's see. He was quite antagonistic, and he would belittle people for the purpose of embarrassing them anytime there was any sort of confrontation. Oh, 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 oh. I know people like that, be yeah. in the music biz. Oh, I'm sure. And it's usually, honestly, and I see where I kind of see where this one's going, when they're not as good as you are at your at your trade, in my, right. my being right in music are, and playing are, guitar. Are you referring to the, what I'm thinking you're referring to? Yep. Okay. And then... They're shit starters because instead of actually practicing and becoming better than you, right? They would rather try to put you down, and then you meet them with facts of like, ah, uh, no, this is the real fact. And they're, well, you're just a fucking idiot. Fuck you, you motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. That that must be me. That must be me. Yeah, exactly. So confrontation, Shipman himself would instigate. So he would go to confront these people, and then. Like, totally belittle them. Are, is your coffee cup empty? Is that why you keep looking at Actually, it? Actually, I want water, too, but I'm fucking oh. out of water, I think. <laughs> um, the other thing that stood out about him is even now, even years after he left the practice was that he always made sure that things were done his way. Even though there were other more experienced doctors working at the facility, he felt he was in control and no, and had no problem letting people know how he wanted things to be done. Oh, my God. He's a music producer. Yeah. He wasn't That's even he 30 years old at the time, and he was already making it very well known that he was a control freak. <laughs> I have worked with so many assholes like that. Yeah. So many. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. It's like, you know. Please tell me this dude is still alive. Uh, I'll get into this in a minute. Because, I mean, Harold, if you're still alive, <laughs> I've worked with douchebags like you. I was going to say, you join don't the know music shit. business, buddy. Yeah, join the music business because, dude, you ain't nothing special. You ain't <laughs> shit. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of the different opinions those who work directly with him had, the senior partners at the clinic thought he was just amazing. One of them, a guy by the name of Dr. Michael Grieve, Loved that he made sure he provided his superiors with accurate, up-to-date information at all times. He's an ass-kisser. <coughs> yeah. He uh, is a producer. More that you talk about, it, I swear to God, he's a producer. <laughs> Especially since he was so fresh out of medical school. So that wasn't common for people out of medical school. They'd be like, they try to get the work done, but they wouldn't document everything. You know what I mean? But he, he documented everything. Um, yet despite all this, when he started experiencing blackouts, he would have to leave the practice. He told everyone he was diagnosed with epilepsy. This, in fact, was not true. He made up the diagnosis as a cover-up for something far worse. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It didn't take long for the truth to come out. Marjorie Walker, the receptionist, happened to come across some rather alarming entries in the ledger they kept for controlled medications. The entries indicated he was prescribing several patients with pethidine, and that's a pain relief opioid that was once very widely used in Europe and Australia. Oh, okay. Although it's still technically available, most doctors have chosen to switch to other pain relief opioids that are safer. 
And although it was widely used, it was never prescribed on an ongoing basis or for the treatment of chronic pain as it was known to be highly addictive. And the prescriptions he was writing were for large doses and frequent amounts. Holy shit. Okay. That wasn't the only disturbing thing, though. They also found that he had written copious amounts of prescriptions for the same medication on the clinic's behalf. Normally, this wouldn't be unusual. They often kept such meds on hand for emergency or immediate situations. However, what was odd about this particular find was the amounts were quite excessive. Oh. Okay. When all this was discovered, a Dr. John Dacker launched an investigation into the obvious overprescribing that Shipman was doing. And during this investigation, <coughs> Dr. Dacker found out that the majority of the patients he had written the prescriptions for never required the medication, nor did they receive the medication. So with this information in hand, Dr. Dacker confronted Shipman at a staff meeting. He, when Dr. Dacker showed him the proof and demanded an explanation. The way Shipman decided to deal with the situation was more proof of the type of person he truly was. He knew his whole career was in jeopardy, right? He just started out as a physician. He knew, oh shit, I could lose all of this. So he started to beg for a second chance. When the senior partners denied his request, he shocked them when he became so furious and stormed out of the room. As he left, he threw a medical bag down and threatened to quit. This violent behavior is not something they had ever witnessed from him up to that point. Yeah, he started a little temper tantrum. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, I can't have what I want. Oh, fucking good, yeah. good job, Harold. Good job. Yeah, well, get this. Long, not long after he made his exit, while his co-workers were in the middle of discussing exactly how they were going to let him go, something else happened. His wife, Primrose, actually stormed into the room to inform them that there was no way in hell he was going to resign from the practice. And if they wanted him out, they were going to have to force him to leave. Well, she got what she wanted. <laughs> they forced him out of the clinic and straight into a drug rehab facility in York. And that was in 1975. Dang. Now, he was telling them he was using it for his own personal use. Which makes sense. You don't want to tell, tell them that you're using yeah. it to kill people off. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And the fact that his wife pretty much acted like his mother there. Oh, did yeah. you notice that? I was like seeing the similarities as I was typing it out. I was like, oh, my God. This is my wife. The he mommy married I can my sleep- mommy. <laughs> yeah. This is my wife. The woman, the, the, the mommy I can sleep with. Yeah, pretty much. It would be two short years later that he was fined as a result of numerous convictions relating to the prescription fraud and forgery. The fine was meager, even by today's standards. First of all, I'll tell you what he was fined back in 1977. They fined him slightly over 600 pounds sterling. Now, I'm going to put this in perspective. In 1977, 600 pounds sterling was equal to $1,033, give or take a few cents, U.S. dollars. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> with the cost of inflation over time, 600 pounds equivalent is equivalent to 3,396 3, pounds today, which is only $4,822, give or take a few cents. So that <laughs> fine is pocket change. That's a bullshit fine. Like, yeah. seriously, that Pretty is a total much. bullshit like, fine. You know, you get higher fines for littering. No shit, huh? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That isn't very much considering he was a licensed medical professional who had <laughs> abused his position to support his supposed drug habit. God okay? damn, this guy's a piece of work. Yeah. His charges for forgery are important here. Considering he lacked forgery skills back in 1977, the irony today is worth a chuckle. 
In the 22 years since he received that measly fine, he never practiced his forgery technique. Shipman's ability to get away with forgery back then was pathetic, to say the least. But he didn't let that stop him from trying again in the future. It was his inability to forge other people's signatures that would ultimately lead to his downfall, which I will get into. Back then, he claimed the reason for forging the prescriptions and then fraudulently acquiring the drugs was due to him having a drug addiction. It's still being debated to this day in the United Kingdom. Whether it this is accurate or if he'd already begun his murderous ways, something that has never been proven either way, yet it is speculated to be sure. Okay? Now, I need to stress that all of this happened in 1977, a time when things weren't as regulated th- as they are today. Okay? If he had done that today, he probably never would have, would be allowed to prescribe medication again if they even allowed him to keep practicing. Oh, no, here in the U.S., they would have yanked his medical license and it would have been a lifetime yeah, ban. Yeah, probably not in 77, though. No, not in 77. Yeah, today, yes. Um, however, that was a different era with different standards. So it shouldn't really come as a surprise that within two years, he was again practicing medicine as a, as a general practitioner. Within two years. Jesus. Okay? Since he had an overabundance of self-confidence, he was able to convince others of his apparent sincerity, as he, so he was quickly able to get a job at, in Hyde at the Donnybrook Medical Center. Jo- Dr. Jeffrey Moisey yeah, would defend that decision by saying that Shipman told them that, yes, he did have that problem, as well as the convictions associated with it. However, he had gone through treatment and he had claimed to be clean. He then ended the conversation by asking them to just just believe that he was a changed man and they could even hire him on a probationary period to to help ease their anxieties. Oh, trust me. Trust me. I'm not that guy anymore. Oh, my God. Yes. Didn't we have it was what's his name? Gallegos that defended himself and said, I lost, (laughs) but just trust me that I didn't do what they say I did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So they agreed to his terms and hired him with supervision. He would show them (coughs) how hardworking and dedicated he was as a doctor, how he was willing to step up as a local doctor and try to make his community a better place. He even won awards for his charity work in the community. Yeah, I have some pictures of him winning awards for his charity work. Um, So, let's see, he was trusted by all his patients and the people he worked with respected him. Those he supervised tell how he was patronizing and abusive towards them. But he hid all that from anyone that he felt had he had to impress in some way. He never seemed to suffer from any blackouts when he worked there, nor did they have any indication that he he that he wasn't drug free. It wasn't long before he wouldn't be supervised as closely as he should have been. Can I interject something? He got that shit from his mommy, too, because if your mommy is sitting there saying, oh, you're the greatest thing of all, then you're going to show your best thing. Oh, Yeah. You know, you're the, your best you. To everybody. To that person. Yeah, to but, everybody who matters. Yeah, to yeah. everybody who matters. But, you know, the people who you feel don't matter, that aren't your bosses, such as yeah. your fellow employees, you're still treating them like shit. Yeah. He got all that from Mommy Dearest. Yeah, no more wire hangers, Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That was a good movie, actually, Mommy it Dearest. It was a very good movie. Yeah, she was a bitch. <laughs> So, it would be the unwavering determination of a very intelligent lady many years later that would ultimately save the lives of so many. Yet, it must also be noted that she was not the first one to realize something was afoot where Shipman was involved. 
There's trouble in the foot. <laughs> that he was in actuality a very dangerous person. Okay. At one point, the local undertaker, Alan Massey, started to notice a peculiar pattern. This was back when people did home uh, house calls. Doctors did house calls. Right, right, right. One that he became quite concerned with. He noticed a couple of things that were very alarming. First, there was the abnormally high rate of death among Dr. Shipman's patients. The most disturbing part, bless you. Thank you. Dainty. The most oh, it's, it's ghost's fault, man. It's the, the way the bodies were when he was called to retrieve them. Now, people die. How, how, what about the bodies were? How, the way they were. And I'll get into that in a second. Oh, okay. I people die. Yeah. They, people die all the time. Yeah, people die at home. Yeah. People die in chairs. Happens all the time. However, there's usually no distinct pattern to it when it comes to other doctors. But when Shipman's patients died, they all managed to die in a similar way. They would either die sitting on a chair or lying on a settee, and 90% of them were completely clothed. Almost none of them were lying in bed in their night clothes, as would be expected with severely ill patients. Right? Okay, I'll give it that. I, I don't think that's very fucking unusual. Like, if you're sitting in a chair, you know, maybe... But would you be in, like, your best... I mean, they said that they were fully clothed. Not even like they were even sick. Oh, so, like, they're wearing, like, their Sunday best and shit? Kind of. Okay. Yeah. No, that that is pretty peculiar. Like, I'm yeah. not feeling good now, and I'll be honest to our listening audience. I'm sitting in front of the mic in a gray t-shirt, my gray undies. I was going to say, you're wearing your boxer briefs and... You know, talking about me having my boobs out. Because kind of <laughs> I do. I just, that, <laughs> I'm not planning on putting on any real clothes until I have to go to the grocery store. Yeah. No. So, um, almost none of, oh, I already said that. Not to mention, he never saw anything in the house that would allude to the fact that the patient had been tremendously ill in the first place. Like, there was no medication laying around. No, you know, like. I don't know, it's okay, hard no, for me to explain. But. No, no, that is unusual. Let me tell yeah. you why. Um, let me describe for everybody, so there you know how I live my life. <laughs> More personal shit about Scott. Everything to my left right here from, from my workstation. Mm-hmm. So I don't forget my meds in the morning. I've got my bottle of crazy pills. I've got... Um, Your vitamins. I got my vitamins mm-hmm. uh, and allergy pills and even uh, my naproxen. Right. And they're sitting right there because... I am an idiot. Oh, I forget yeah. shit. So what'll happen is, and I even carry crazy, uh, spare crazy pills in my lunch bag. Just but, in case. Yeah, because yeah, I'll leave the house and I'm like, God damn it. I forgot to take, you know, like my Love. vitamins and yeah. I, forgot to take, I forgot to take my allergy pills and I forgot to take this and I forgot to take this because I don't see it. Right. So if you're sick, you would think that just from a psychology perspective... Your your major focus is on how you feel. Correct. That's where your brain's going because your brain is trying to figure out how can I keep this motherfucker alive? Yes. So that's why there's pill organizers and shit like that. So if there's nothing oh, yeah. like that sitting around, yeah, that's pretty bizarre unless you have an in-home care nurse who is there living with you 24 hours. Yeah. But then why would the doctor, you know, it's, yeah, it just... It just is bizarre to me because I don't need a care nurse and I have all my nighttime pills right next to my bed. Yeah, and so uh, whether you don't forget them either. Yeah, it's pretty the, much because I've forgotten them before. Yeah, it's easy to forget. Yeah. So, anyways. So, anyways, um, 
Each instance seemed like the person simply died right th- where they were sitting or lying. The whole scenario just didn't make any sense to this man. It's, it's like they got up either. in the morning, got ready for their day, sat down in the chair, and died. Damn. Get up in the morning, you put on your freaking work clothes and stuff, sit down and go, eh, fuck it. I'm not going in today. <laughs> Guess I'm just going to lay here. And- <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to sit here on my chair and fucking die. Yeah. Well, better than going to work. So Macy would take these concerns straight to Shipman, and he was assured that there was nothing to be worried about. Shipman showed him his documentation and told him that he had nothing to hide and anybody could inspect his <laughs> books, and they wouldn't find anything wrong with any of them. <clears throat> Since Shipman didn't seem to be nervous about being questioned about his actions, he figured it was all in the up and up, so he left it at that. His daughter, this guy's daughter, Debbie Bramboff, who was also a funeral director, wasn't so convinced. So she took it further and found someone who would help her out. Her ally in all of this would be another doctor by the name of Susan Booth. Okay. Now, this is where a program in England, it's, it's dubbed cash for ash by the medical community. You said ash or ass. Cash for ash. Oh, I was going to say, because here we call that prostitution. Shut up. Hey, anyway, that's all I heard. I heard cash for ass. That's because you don't clean the shit out of your ears and listen to me with huh? one good ear. What? Shut up. Go <laughs> get a Q-tip. What? So British law requires a doctor from a practice that is completely separate entity from the to sign off on any cremation forms the original doctor issues. So any doctor that does this is given a small fee. Therefore, the cash for ash. Okay. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, um, however, however you refer to it, it is in accordance with the law that Dr. Booth went to the funeral home to examine one of the deceased patients of Shipman. And that's when Debbie approached her to voice her concerns. She said, you know, basically the same thing as her father. Since Booth agreed that there was something odd about what they had noticed, she went to her colleagues and talked to them about it. One decided to contact the local coroner a guy by the name of John Pollard. I wonder if he's related to a friend of mine. Anyways, and he immediately notified the authorities. With a completely undercover operation, the authorities examined all of Shipman's records and determined the documentation on the treatments ordered and the subsequent records and determined a subsequent death that occurred all matched up perfectly. Oh. Okay? There were no discrepancies to be found. There were no discrepancies because Shipman had gone through and rewritten all the patient's records after he killed them so that they all matched up. Hey, at least, he, you know what? At least he was smart about it. Yeah, not too smart. You'll find out why. Hey, he did his thing, though. I got, okay, so you might be a dickhead, but it's a smart way to go. I probably would have done the same thing if I had to off him or if yeah. I wanted to. Well, this investigation in general would come into question later. Due to the fact that the police neglected to go further than just check out the documentation. They never checked any other records. If they had gone further by filing an inquiry report with the General Medical Council, which I'm assuming is the British equivalent to the medical board here in the U.S. Yeah, you would think. You know, um, they would have seen his history of forgery and drug abuse, which might have triggered the need for a further in-depth investigation. Yeah, that would be one of those things like, huh, yeah. this doesn't look right. Yeah. Kind of like buying truck stop sushi. One of these things is not like the other, huh? Or like buying, you know, gas station or truck stop sushi. 
Oh, that's, you know, my son has often said he wants to do that so he can get a tapeworm. But that's another story. Ew. That's disgusting. What the fuck is wrong with your family? My son. He's funny. God damn, that's a serial killer. Waiting <laughs> Probably you is. Feature him on this goddamn show. So when a patient of his by the name of Kathleen Grundy, who happened to be a rather wealthy woman, as well as the ex-mayor of that area, died suddenly on June 24th of 1988, more people became suspicious. She was 81 years old, but she didn't let it show it did, she didn't let it slow her down in the slightest. She always seemed to have excess energy, and she was also known to be actively involved with all the local charities, right up until that fateful day she had an encounter with Harold Shipman. That's like my grandmother. My grandmother, she died at 102 or 103. Holy cats cannoli. And almost right up to the very end, man, uh, well, until she broke her hip, and I think she was like 101 when she did that. Um, she was on it like Blue Bonnet, man. Yeah. She had the she had more energy than I have today at 47 years old. She has more energy than you had at 20. Shut up. Yeah, she might have. I seriously. Yeah. Well, because like, it was said about fuck. this woman that she would go out running with her daughter, like literally running with her daughter in the mornings, go home and go, okay, where's the ironing? And just get shit done. Jesus Christ. It's like, yeah, and her, and her daughter kept saying, mom, dude. You have more energy than I do. Slow the fuck down. If you can hear this in the afterlife, salute, sweetheart. That is fucking impressive as hell. Totally. So when she didn't show up to help serve meals to the elderly at the Age Concern Club, her friends knew something was wrong. Because she was known for her reliability, not to mention her punctuality. Okay? They decided they would check on her. They were shocked when they arrived and found her lying on her sofa, Fully dressed and very dead. Okay? Their first, the first call they made was to her family physician, Duh. Dr. Shipman. Well, yeah. That, honestly, that's who, who else would you fucking exactly. call? So, well, no, take, take that back. I'd probably call the cops first. I'd probably call 911. Yeah, but, definitely. Or I think it's 999 over there. I'm not right, sure. Right. That's what I was getting at. Is I'd call emergency services yeah. first and go, hey, look, man, my, my, my friend or whoever, they're laying on their couch and they're unresponsive. Yeah. Get somebody much. out here. Yeah. So um, he would, and the weird thing is, is he had just been there a few hours prior to that. So he was, in fact, the last person to see her alive. That was a shocker. Yeah. He claimed he had been there for the purpose of acquiring blood samples to run some routine tests. Um, He actually said that these tests were on aging that he was doing. Okay. After he returned, he pronounced her dead and her daughter, Angela Woodruff, was notified. Shipman convinced her that an autopsy was not required since he had just seen her a few hours prior to her death. Angela agreed, and a few days later, they had Kathleen's funeral. And why wouldn't she, honestly? Exactly. Your doctor just now said, hey, I just now saw her. There's nothing nefarious going on here. Right. You know. uh, It's obvious she just, you know, died of natural causes. Yeah. Yeah, And honestly, I would probably believe a doctor if they told me that. Mm -hmm. You know, well. I would believe a doctor if they told me that if we didn't have this podcast and we didn't start doing Medical Mondays. Dude, that's true right there. It's like, I don't trust anybody. Anymore. Yeah, I don't even trust my doctor, and I like my doctor. Yeah, a exactly. Lot. My doc- Well, my orthopedic surgeon, who I have to go see pretty soon, I trust him with everything. And it's like, I'm thinking, no, probably not. <laughs> I wouldn't trust him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
He had that chari- that charisma going on. He's probably he out does. To- he's very charismatic and he's very well known in the sports field. Yeah, and now he's out to kill you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, him kidding. and I joke around a lot though. So please don't kill me, Tammy's. Yeah, his name's Doctor Rask, by the way, Be- Bartholomew Rask. He's awesome, dude. I am so sorry for making him making these jokes. Okay, right. so sorry. No, he's amazing. He's amazing. So, um, anyways, they had her funeral right after Kathleen's funeral. Angela received a strange call from somebody saying they were her mother's lawyer and that they had a copy of her mother's will. This was odd because Angela was an attorney and Kathleen had always used her law firm to handle all of her affairs. That okay. is, yeah, that's nefarious right yeah. there. Yeah, so her firm actually had the original copy of the will her mother had drafted back in 1986. She requested a copy of the document they had they said they had, and when she saw the will in question, she immediately knew it was fake, since it was so crudely typed with subpar wording. Oh. The will stipulated Shipman was to receive 386,000 pounds. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Harold, you're a fucking moron. Yeah, well, this is it. Her first thought was somebody was trying to frame him. Yeah, she what didn't even go. He's for guilty be, for being She's, an attorney. Yeah. You know what? You are. You're. I'm not. You're not naive. You're just. You're a sweetheart, and I. Yeah. I appreciate somebody with that kind of you know love in your heart. Going, hey, this is a great guy. Yeah, trying exactly. To frame dude. However, she quickly realized he was most likely the one to blame for her mother's death. The next step in her own personal investigation was to notify the authorities, and her fu- and her files came across the desk of a detective, Superintendent Bernard. Apostles. Now, Apostles took one look at the document and knew it was forged. Just knew it. Well, so did fucking Chick's daughter. Right. She's an attorney. She's looking at this going, this is some bullshit. This dude doesn't even know yeah. legal terminology. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking, too. Because, you know, you have to do the... <laughs> I mean, I just had to draw up a power of attorney. And it's like, you have a lot of wording in there. Well, you and I have talked, touched on this before. This is why I have contract attorneys right. for, for my stuff. Because, to be quite honest, while I... Am well educated. Yeah, I don't understand half the bullshit. The legal ease is beyond my scope of. It, it is like I, I'll be honest, and I feel well. Okay, it's hard to admit, but I really do. I feel stupid. Oh yeah. Every time I read this shit, mm-hmm. and I try to really understand it. Mm-hmm. That's why my attorneys put everything into layman's terms. They they either go, right. no, Scott, this is a really good contract. Go for it. It's it's good percentages. Or they go, no, we need to change things, and this is what we're changing. Right. You know, because if I try to do it, I'll sign the motherfucker. Yeah, you'll be like, oh, sounds good to me. I'm I mean, done reading. Oh, wait a minute. I owe you for services rendered for writing your album? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I done reading good. past paragraph 1A. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> <I'm> much done. <laughs> sounds I, good. I, my brain goes blank after I hear, uh, th- after I read things like, here to with will be cons- uh, will be uh, known as uh, musician. Yeah. You know? Yeah. After that, my brain goes, ah, okay, no, we're out of yeah, here. I'm done. <laughs> Shut down. <laughs> yeah. So investigators knew that they wanted to get proof that Shipman was, in fact, murdering his patients. So autopsies had to be performed. In order for the autopsies to be performed, the bodies would have to be exhumed. Now, the issue here is it is rare for any British police force who have to issue an exhumation order. Okay? Okay. In fact, the Greater Manchester Police Department had never 
had such an occurrence up until that point. Up until now. So they had to ask the National Crime Squad for advice on how to go about starting the process. The sad part is, is by the time this was all over, they were well-versed in the process. It's probably school, other police departments in it. Holy shit. Yeah. They were able to determine that 15 people may or may not have been murdered by shipment. Of those 15, only nine were buried. The other six were cremated. So Kathleen Grundy's body was the first one to be exhumed as part of the investigation and would play a major part in his trial. However, something else had to be done at the precise moment in the investigation in order for it to be successful. Detectives had to search Shipman's home and office for any evidence that would link or incriminate him in any way. The timing of the raid had to be precise since he could destroy or conceal evidence if he learned of the exhumations prior to the raid. Okay? However, when the authorities did arrive, he didn't act surprised at all. The only emotion he registered were those of arrogance and contempt at being bothered by the whole process. Of course. Yeah. He has a he's a total sociopath. Oh, yeah. And he's got a total history of that. Yeah. You know, he's probably sitting there going, they're too stupid to catch me. Yeah. Type of a bullshit thing because I'm smarter than they are. No, you're not, Harold. Yeah. And you're it not. doesn't matter you're... what they look into. Everything's fine. Yeah. Harold, you're a right. fucking dipshit. Okay. So during the search of his property and office, authorities found a number of items of interest. One thing they discovered that was shocking to them was that despite the fact Shipman was a doctor, his house was rather unsanitary. Okay, there were dirty clothes and old newspapers just strewn about the whole house. But where the fuck is his wife? There. Like they're living together. And she's oh, not yeah. even picking up the fucking house. Yeah. All right. You know what? Your wife is a dumbass too. Well, and not just that. As a doctor, doctors are usually known to be the cleanest people when it comes to their house and stuff because they know about germs and you know what I mean? Right. Shit like that. Exactly. So the fact that he, he even allowed his house to be this way was very shocking to people. And it's kind of shocking to me. Well, plus, you know, and I, uh, that last thing I said sounded sexist, so I better clarify that or I will fucking get sued. What I'm talking about is like if dude is out there and he's working, he's doing his doctor thing, even if he's killing people, and you're home, <laughs> you know, you would think the, the role of a housewife right. is to maintain the fucking house. You take right. care of the kids, you maintain the house, and, and you cook your meals. You know, but you're also a doctor. So you know what? You can even hire a fucking housekeeper. Precisely. I'm a musician. Mm -hmm. And up until she broke her foot, I had a housekeeper. You're a fucking doctor. I'm pretty sure you were making... I bet you're counting the days till she's better, huh? God am I. Holy cow. Because your son just is not picking up the slack. Oh, and he stinks. God damn, his room stinks. <laughs> it smells like fucking hot ass and sweaty teenager. I haven't in there lately, thank God. No, I swear to God, when he gets up, walk in there. And just no, I don't want to. No, please, please, for the love of God, do it. <laughs> then we will, we will discuss the, the delicate bouquet of which comes off of this kid. No, that's okay. I have one myself. <laughs> oh, but mine, thank God, takes a shower like twice a day sometimes. Ugh, this, okay. Lysol. So... There were, oh, I got the, the incriminating items they found were some medical records, strange jewelry, and the coup de gras, an old brother manual portable typewriter that turned out to be the same one that was used to forge the will. You're a smart one, Mr. Mr. Shipman. Shipman. <laughs> 
You got no brain at all. <laughs> <laughs> when officials located the typer, he actually made up a story about how Kathleen would often borrow it for her own personal use. Okay, this lady is very wealthy, very well known in the community, <laughs> but she's going to borrow an old portable typewriter from her doctor to use. For, why wouldn't she just fucking buy one? Uh, exactly. And I, I would bet, given the time period, she probably had her own goddamn typewriter at her home. Didn't we all? That's what I was thinking. Didn't we all? We all had, like, uh, at least somebody in your family that has a typewriter. And then we all had, like, little brother word processors because they were popular. Oh, yeah, we had those, too. But, I mean, we even had an old brother portable, like, electric typewriter. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So Jesus. toxicologist Julie Evans is one is the one that tested the tissue samples of with Kathleen's autopsy. The m- information in her report was alarming to authorities. Toxicology tests showed that she had a major amount of morphine in her system. As a matter of fact, the morphine levels in her system that show that she would have died within three short hours of receiving the doses she was given. Holy cow. Which is kind of ironic. Because it was almost exactly three hours from the time he had seen her to the time her friend showed up and she was dead. That's what I was just going to ask, so you read my mind. Yeah. So being a doctor, though, Shipman's choice of using morphine as a murder weapon was odd to investigators because somebody in the medical profession would have known that morphine is one of the few medications or poisons that will remain in the body tissue for centuries. Yeah. I mean, it's not like insulin. That I did know. That yeah. I did know. Yeah. Okay. Because insulin, once you inject it, you can't tell if it's chemical insulin or natural insulin that the body produces. Actually, I don't think there's anything as a chemical insulin. I think it's a humulin, which is now Humalog. Which right. Is, that's what I was on when I was insulin dependent. Right. Um, and then my dad had, my dad had to use Humalog because he was allergic to pork and beef insulin. Okay. The, the insulin itself. Right. Um, so that's where I think that they get is out of the pancreases of like I think you're pigs right. and, and cows. But and yeah, there's no way to tell. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. If it was Humalog injected synthetic. or if it's... Humalog is, is, I believe, is, is synthetic. Damn, My dog's just to looking at me like he wants something. I know what he wants, but he's not getting it. <laughs> I know what he wants, too. He yeah. wants to live here. Yeah, probably With does. Your mom. Yeah, he was he was talking back to me this morning. I couldn't believe it. Anyways, so... This could be detected decades after the fact. Well, so yeah. if at any point in time somebody questioned his actions, they could exhume a body and test it and find out what he did. Yeah. Okay? So the fact that he used morphine is like, what the fuck, dude? That, that's what the investigators were thinking. Okay? Since it's likely he would have had this knowledge, why then did he choose this method? It wasn't hard for the detectives look into whether or not she took this medication herself. And when he was questioned about it, he claims she was a closet junkie and she took morphine to, for recreational use. Okay. Nothing that you just said makes any fucking sense. Because let's, let, let me just recap so I understand what's going on here. Okay? Yeah. So... Here's a woman, she's very physically active. She's very physically fit. Mm-hmm. She's jogging with her daughter. Hell, she's even out serving meals to old people because she's an old person herself. Right. You know, so if anybody's better than her peers, it's, it's her. her. Especially physically. She's super physically mm-hmm. fit, but she's a closet junkie. That yeah. makes no fucking sense. You and I have both been junkies. Yeah. 
Well, I'm still a junkie. I just don't right. use. I've been clean for I mean, 19 years. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like active junkies. Right, active junkies. Now, you can tell when a person is a junkie. Oh, yeah. Oh, no matter yeah. how hard we try to hide it, you can tell. Oh, yeah. No, 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 so, definitely. For him to say that and for anybody to say, um, no, I don't see that, would be obvious. Especially on morphine. So if you're shooting up morphine. Yeah, it's what heroin, you, basically. Yeah, and I was going to say, what, what are you not doing? Well, you're not fucking going jogging. You're in the corner nodding off. Yeah, you're, that, that, that's why uh, I was having this discussion with, uh, with, my, uh, with Dawn. And okay. Because she had uh, somebody who works... Uh, she works at a, at, at a TJ Maxx store. Right. And somebody had fallen asleep in the bathroom. Oh, it was, shit. A, it was a woman. So they're knocking on the door trying to wake her up and things like that. She's not waking up. And so we're talking about, oh, that's easy. She's on the nod. She goes, what? Yeah, on the nod. That's a heroin junkie. Totally. Right there. Yeah, totally. I don't care if you burn the place down. They're not going to wake they're up. They're not waking up. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's essentially what she would be doing. She'd be going on the nod. Pretty much. <laughs> Fuck yeah. It. Fucking junkie. Yeah. Give me a... You know, okay. For a guy who thinks he's so goddamn smart. You're fucking stupid. God, Harold, you're a moron. Yeah. You, you could have thought of a way better excuse. Like, hey, I don't know why she was taking heroin. That's weird. Isn't Maybe that she bizarre? was selling it. Maybe she was selling it and decided to try in her older age because, you know, the mind goes something. Mm-hmm. Not like, hey, she was a closet junkie and I was For a drug junkie. Yeah. For years. Not, no, no, she wasn't. Yeah. That no. Bullshit. Fuck no. you. <laughs> so investigators had to... Um, this led the detectives into investigating more of the deaths he, he may have been involved with. Okay, so now they had to decide which victims to investigate. Okay, so they had to determine, uh, they, since some of them had been cremated, it was obvious they couldn't exhume and autopsy them. So they started with the patients that had died suddenly following one of his house calls. Okay, okay. fair enough. Fair enough. They went through the process of getting exhumation orders for the patients in question. Investigators did develop a criteria to investigate those who had been cremated, and that criteria is based on what their pre-existing conditions were, what was the cause of death that was determined, and when did Shipman see them prior to their death. Good criteria. Very good criteria. Excellent criteria. Yeah. So the detectives were able to determine that one of his patients died. Shipman did his best to convince the family to cremate the body and forego the autopsy. Since people are in the habit of trusting their doctors, it wasn't odd that people trusted him. Not to mention when he presented their cause of death, it seemed rational, despite the fact nobody in their family knew they had such a condition. Okay? So on the rare occasions when the families questioned him, he would show them computerized medical records to prove he had been seeing them for whatever it was he said they had died from. And it was later to determine that he would alter the records, most of which he altered within moments of their death. As soon as he murdered the patients, he would rush back to his office or his house and adjust the records, backdating all of his entries. Well, at least he was on it, right? I mean... <laughs> yeah, on it like Bloom on it. That's right. Okay, so that right there, I give you props for that, uh, Harold. Yeah. Be sure, you know, on it. Yeah. He even did this with Kathleen Grundy and his assertions that she was a morphine junkie. It's also believed in her case that his, that his credibility went out the window when he claimed this. Now, we all know in today's day and age that a computer trail does not lie. 
Okay, but when he became a doctor before technology took effect, it's no surprise that he was one of the people who protested their implementation in the office. After he was able to embrace the technology, albeit reluctantly, he was true to form when he self-proclaimed to be a computer expert. Now, this is what I'm picturing. This guy doesn't know jack shit about computers. Then all of a sudden he's inputting some data. It's like, yep, I know how to do this. I'm the best one for it. No IT guy needed. Oh, of course, because that's what mommy taught him. Yeah, pretty much. So expert or not, he failed to realize that, I mean, and you and I both know hard drives, (laughs) that a hard drive for every computer details down to the second Every time a change is made it for anything. And nothing is ever permanently deleted. Nothing ever. Ever. That's why they have, uh, oh, I can't remember what the actual name of them are, but there are, there are people that extract information. Right, they're computer, basically computer, uh, forensic computer technologists, basically. Right, and I think there was another name I was thinking of, but I can't remember. But yeah, and, that, and that's what they do. If they, if they, oh, like, yeah. if they yank the hard drive out of, the PC that I'm using right now. Oh, yeah. They can tell everything oh, yeah. that I've done, even if I've deleted it right down to, like, I play Civilization, mm-hmm. which is a video game. Um, they can tell what every move I ever made. Oh, yeah. Precisely. Every keystroke. Every keystroke. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, because yeah, I put here that um, it recorded every keystroke of the false alterations he made to every patient's record. Now, no matter how many times he was questioned by the authorities regarding him falsifying records, he would evade their questions and tell them that if the records showed that the patient suffered from a certain ailment, then they suffered from it, and it wasn't him that was being dishonest. Of course not. Yeah. His arrogance continued up until the minute his trial started on October 5th of 1999. Now, it should be noted that Shipman's attorney on record was primarily a medical lawyer. Basically, I picture her doing malpractice suits. You know, she was never in court, really. And she, yeah, she dealt mainly with matters outside of the criminal courts. So this was a new area for her. And try as she might during the preliminaries to get the, to get the way the charges were presented changed, she was unsuccessful. The prosecution had a counter for each of her motions detailing why the court should honor them. Her most shocking motion was to get evidence dismissed. She wanted the court to dismiss that, which is referred to as volume eight in his trial, which happened to be the detailed evidence of how Shipman had acquired the morphine for, from some 28 patients, most of which were deceased, and how he continued to prescribe medications to patients who had already died. And even more damning was the evidence that he had prescribed opiates to patients, many of whom were still alive. Okay, that right there is just, you're anti-dead people. Maybe when they're dead, they're thinking, you know what? Not really comfortable down here. little morphine would go a long way. But no, do you think of that? No, you only think about you being alive. Oh, my God. This man is just, it's a witch hunt. Obviously. 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 This is a witch hunt. Right. Uh, the damning part was that these patients never required, the patients that were alive that he was prescribing opiates to, never required the pain meds, much less one so strong as morphine. Nothing like pointing the authorities in the direction of where you're going to strike next, right? No shit, huh? So, 
After she made her arguments, the Honorable, and this is what I get about his name, his name is literally Justice Forbes. So he was destined to be in this position. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yes. I did it. I, I'm doing another one, and I'm just going to mention the name. His name is uh, Tommy Lynn Sells, S-E-L-L-S. Oh, yeah, yeah. And when his victims met him, he was a used car salesman. And I actually put that in my notes. Uh, I go, this man was destined. <laughs> to be a salesman. To be a salesman. I mean, and in my mind, honest to God, the, when I'm reading this guy's profile, all I can hear is, really, it was only driven by a little old lady up the road to uh, to the store. And back there, of course, there's a thousand original miles on this 1980 station wagon. <laughs> With one owner. With one owner. <laughs> so after she made her arguments, this guy, this judge, the Honorable Justice Forbes, carefully and meticulously explained to her and Shipman exactly why he was denying each and every one of her motions. Because he's a dumbass. Yeah. That's exactly it. He said it. the trial would go on with the 16 charges in the indictment and all of the evidence in Volume 8 would be allowed. And the jury was selected the following Monday and the trial would begin. Go ahead. Okay. So the trial began and the prosecutor, prosecutor on the case of Richard Enriquez quickly addressed how each of the patients died by being prescribed and administered morphine or diamorphine shortly after he saw them that day. He quickly dismissed the motive of mercy killing by stressing the fact that none of the victims had, in fact, been terminally ill. Well, exactly. Like like uh, Granny Gums that we were talking about. I can't remember her name, so that's her name. The one that I really like. I mean, Kathleen Grundy? Yeah, Grundy. She's jogging with her daughter, for fuck's sakes. She's not terminally ill. Yeah. Because guess what else you're not doing? If you're Okay, so you're not a junkie because you're jogging all the time. But guess what else? You're, you're not, not jogging. dying. You're not dying either. Yeah. I've never been sick like today. I don't even want to walk out to my fucking pickup truck, much less go for a goddamn jog, because I feel like shit, and I'm not even dying. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. Um, He pointed out that Shipman killed people to show his control over who lived and who died, and considering how many times he murdered people, he enjoyed what he was doing. Yeah, he's got God complex. Yeah. And once again, he got it from Mommy. Mommy. Mommy dearest. Yeah, right there, yeah. That's a- yeah. So the majority of the beginning of the trial centered around the murder of Kathleen Grundy because she was the most recent one. So it's it's understandable. The defense tried to claim several things that were quickly disproven by the prosecution. Her daughter, Angela, talked about how she was shocked her mother had died so suddenly. There was specific emphasis placed on the fake will that left everything to shipment. And it was proven by the fingerprint expert, Dr. Rutherford, that there were only three sets of fingerprints present on the document in question. The two witnesses who signed the document and Dr. Shipman's. This is in itself proof that she had not drawn up the document because her fingerprints were nowhere to be found. (laughs) Okay. They addressed the obviously fake computer records. They were able to prove when the records were altered by the digital footprint that each one had. And they even produced witnesses that testified to the actions of Shipman when he was realized he was going to be arrested. The witnesses testified that there didn't seem to be any remorse for his actions. He just talked about how his only mistake was not making sure that she was cremated before burial. What a yeah. peach. Yeah. I should have made sure she was cremated. Basically, uh, is what he said. Harold, you're such a peach and such a humanitarian. Yeah. I mean. Show some remorse, you dumbass. <laughs> or at least look and go, oops, sorry, I fucked up. Yeah. Something. Yeah. So the rest of the trial would focus on the other victims. There were obvious patterns established. He, 
how he would pretend to have called for an ambulance and quickly canceled the call, but phone records indicated that no such calls were ever made. His callous behavior towards families was brought up and how he would often taunt them by making them guess and say out loud themselves that their loved ones had died. Holy shit, what a sick bastard. Yeah, there was even testimony about how he showed obvious annoyance at at least one of his victims, the one only one that died in his clinic. Okay. Because she was in there often. She was probably one of those hypochondriac old women. Yeah, that happens. Okay, that happens. You know what? She's old. Let her be. Oh, right? shit, man. But he would often, even in front of law enforcement officers that were there, um, to write up a report that since she was the one and only victim to die in his office, that now he would, he would put a plaque above the chair that she sat in saying permanent re- reserve for so-and-so. You know, it's like, <laughs> how callous can you be? This woman just fucking died. God you know? damn. So, um, after all the evidence was heard from both sides, it took the judge two weeks to give the jury their instructions. Okay? He advised them to use caution and noted specifically that none of the witnesses testified to having seen Shipman actually kill any of the victims. Then he dismissed them to deliberate. By the end of the day, on January 31st, 2000, the jury turned a unanimous verdict of guilty on all 15 counts of murder and the one count of forgery. As the jury read their verdict, Shipman just stood there motionless with no sign of emotion. Well, you, you, you think it took him uh, not that long? You wonder why? Because, like I've said before, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, yeah. guess what? It's probably a fucking duck. Yeah, precisely. Exactly. So... The defense counsel actually asked the judge to immediately pass down his sentencing, and he obliged, because usually, you know, it can be held over, even here in the U.S., okay? And he said, okay, I will. So he addressed Shipman when he said, and I'm going to quote him, you have finally been brought to justice by the verdict of this jury. I have no doubt whatsoever that these are true verdicts. The time has now come for me to pass sentence upon you for these wicked, wicked crimes. Please say guillotine. Each, no, was a, it wasn't active back then. It's not like Should off be. with her head. Should have been. Each of your victims was your patient. You murdered each and every one of your victims by a calculated and cold-blooded perversion of your medical skills for your own evil and wicked purposes. You took advantage of and grossly abused their trust. You were, after all, each victim's doctor. I have little doubt, and I believe this, that each of your victims smiled and thanked you as they submitted to your deadly ministrations. I believe that as well. I do too. Then he swiftly handed down 15 life sentences for the murders and a four-year sentence for the forgery. Now, tradition in Britain is that once a sentence of that nature is handed down, the judge will then go back and write to the House Secretary the Home Secretary, about his recommendations on the length of the sentence. However, you know, like, never to be released or, you know what oh, I mean? okay, yeah. That kind of thing. Okay, I'm understanding. Yeah, like, I'm handing down these, but, you know, 15 life sentences, but a minimum of 50 years yeah. type thing. Okay. okay. So, however, the judge in this case broke with that tradition saying, in the ordinary way, I would not do this in open court, but in your case, I'm satisfied justice demands that I make my views known at this at the conclusion of this trial, and my recommendation will be that you spend the remainder of your days in prison. That's not good enough. No, to be I honest. don't agree. 
I believe, torture for torture. And that's what you did to your patients there, asshole. Yeah. Yeah. He had no care whatsoever. No, he didn't. He, he gave now, no fucks. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about the theories because he has never, ever disclosed his motive for this. Of course he won't. Okay. You want to know why? Because he thinks he's better. And I bet, I bet that his little punk ass is still sitting in prison thinking that he is better than every fucking buddy else. Oh, yeah. I would bet that I would wager a year of my salary on that. A whole year? I would. That's how confident I am. How much do you make a year? A good amount. Okay. I just want to know. You want to make a bet on this? I'll make that bet. Okay. Can you cover it, though? Well, because I know the truth. He still thinks he's better than everybody else. Oh, okay. Whether he says so or not, that's what he's thinking. Okay. And, And I can prove that with psychology. All of his life, he thinks he's the same, right? Uh-huh. Always. Unless he's dead, then he's not thinking shit. He's worm food. Ah, that's what it is. He died, didn't he? I won the bet. <laughs> ah, I, ca- I caught you. I couldn't keep my... I couldn't stop from giggling. I'm no, so sorry. No, I started thinking, why would she bet me knowing that my salary is well into the six figures? Yeah, and knowing I don't have that to back it yeah, up. Yeah, and she... And, and, and currently cover that wager that's why no i bet you that even in the afterlife and i do believe in the afterlife he's probably sitting there thinking i'm still better than all these people that's what he's thinking fucking piece of shit man yeah so anyways like i said nobody will know truly knows his reasoning for murdering his patients especially if he continues to claim his he's innocent of the charges (laughs) one thing's for sure there were no signs of violence sexual overtones or motive to be sure there was no actual smoking gun, so to speak. All of his victims seemed to die peacefully in an area they felt safe and comfortable. Nevertheless, the theories are out there and some actually make sense. Okay. Okay. Here are some of the most prominent, predominant ones I have found. One, do the comments he made about the elderly being a drain on the health system. <coughs> some speculated he hated the elderly. I don't agree with that one. Okay. Okay. I'll get into why here in a minute. Number two, he was hoping to satisfy a deep masochistic need to recreate his mother's death scene. I kind of believe that one. Ah. I mean, I don't believe in it 100, Ah. but I believe it kind of could be true. I don't know. Number three, he had a compulsion to kill that he could not control. And the fact he left such obvious clues was his way of letting others know he wanted to get caught. No, no. No, he didn't. No. That was he his left way. obvious clues because he thought he was better than that. Exactly. I, he, he thought nobody would catch him, period. Because, you yep. know. Yeah. I was going to voice that same yeah. opinion right The there. obvious clues he left were not obvious to him. Right. Yeah. They're obvious to anybody with half a brain. Precisely. But, but not with somebody with that superiority complex. Right. And I don't think that Shipman had a fucking half a I brain. Mean, I'm gonna re- let me relate this to Ted Bundy because <laughs> Ted Bundy had a superiority complex beyond anybody else we know. But he was smart. He was very. He, I, smart. I got, I'm gonna give it up for yeah. for, for, for good old Teddy. Did not leave such obvious clues. No, you want to know why? Because he legitimately was smart, not like Shipman, who's legitimately a fucking moron or was a fucking moron. Yeah. So he felt. This is another one. He felt he was. He was so above everyone else that he felt he was entitled to do whatever he wanted without ever being caught. 
I think that's the one. That's right there. spot on. I think it might have had something to do with the fact that his mother died, and per- maybe perhaps he didn't want them to ever feel that pain that she went through. But I think mm. on the biggest level, he was just thought he could do whatever he wanted to anybody he wanted at any time, and nothing could ever happen to him. Yeah, I don't think it had really hard. If it had anything to do with his mom dying. I think that it's so minute that doesn't even warrant mentioning. I think that he was positive that, well, number one, he said himself, if if you're thinking that that the elderly are a drain on the the medical society or whatever the fuck he said, um, that is motive enough. And then he's thinking, you know what? I'm going to help out. I'm going to wipe them out myself. Nobody will catch me. Why? I'm smarter than the cops. I'm smarter yeah, than smarter doctors. smarter than everybody. I'm smarter than coroners. I'm smarter than yeah. <clears throat> the other doctors that I've been working with that have been doing this more than I've been alive. I'm smarter than everybody because my mommy told me so. <laughs> my mommy said so, damn you. My mommy's better than your mommy. <laughs> That's what I imagine him ever saying. <laughs> yeah, no shit, huh? Yeah. Sorry, man. I'm just over here friggin' no. dying. So... After this whole thing, they it, they uh, launched what they called the Shipman Inquiries, which was an inquiry into all of his patient records and all that. Okay? And it states that Shipman murdered at least, are you ready for this? Okay. 215 of his patients, 171 women, 44 men in total, who ranged from ages 41 to 93. Jesus That's why I don't believe Christ. the whole recreating his mother's death thing yeah no that's why i said i don't think that's it at all his murder spree lasted for 23 years and there was a professor by the name of richard baker who did his own investigation into the matter and he determined the victim count was actually more like a minimum of 236 patients jesus christ yeah i actually found a site that listed them it was like eight pages long holy shit yeah I He's was got like, the body count. Yeah. He just doesn't have, you know. He just doesn't have the intelligence. This is where I am disappointed. Killer. I was going to say, this is where I'm really super disappointed in this. Let me tell you why. Usually when we see the higher body counts, mm-hmm. it's somebody who has most of the time reasonably high intelligence, and especially to operate for 20 years. Mm-hmm. They, kind of, they plan it out. They go, okay, I know that, especially being a doctor, in this advancement in the, in, in the field of medicine, they can do this, this, and this. So now I need to use like maybe this chemical or that right, chemical. Exactly. You know, and they think it out. Right. I mean, look at who we've already featured. Cullen and Cullen, Harvey. Yeah. Their victim count was well into the hundreds, they, they're assuming. Right. And because they were smart enough to get away with yeah. it. Yeah. This and asshole. And their, their murder spree was a whole lot less. Yeah. Time frame, too. This asshole. This, yeah. This hunk of garbage. Yeah. Operates for about 20, over 20 years, gets that high of a body count, and he's that stupid and yeah. arrogant. Precisely. That's what upsets me the most about this asshole. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. To, to, to take a viable life uh, like Grundy, who obviously takes care of herself. And right. She probably would have lived to be like, you know, like 150 years old. Right. You know, and to, and to take that long life away from her, she's not suffering. You know, now, with that said, I understand the mercy killers. Okay. The ones who like, you, you got a patient. And uh, <clears throat> basically a doctor-assisted suicide. I understand that and helping them along. Because, and I've, I've mentioned this a million times before. Y'all don't have to agree with me. But um, <laughs> if, um, it, it, if I was at the end of my life mm-hmm. 
and and I was suffering because my dad died of cancer. Right. I had stage two lung cancer, um, and if I if I had that again, but there was nothing I could do to to recover from that, and I'm right. at the end of my life. Why the fuck would I want somebody to keep me alive for another year or two and right. suffer every day? No, you know what? Put me at the front of the line to check out. Yeah. And I'm golden with that. Yeah. Precisely. Okay? But Precisely. When, but as I sit now, I'm cancer-free. I've been cancer-free for years. Um, and, uh, and I still have a viable life. Now, granted, I am a fat piece of shit right now because I really do need to quit. Eating yeah. like garbage and well, when you here. smoke, you drink. I smoke I mean, and I drink. Yes, yes. And I know what we're what I'm going to hear because I hear it all the time. You had cancer and you still smoke cigarettes. Jesus Christ, are you stupid? Yes, yes, I am. Leave me to my vices. That's right. Um, I'm not I always do- used to say, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die happy. Damn it! I'm not shooting heroin. Side note. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that's my famous line. <laughs> that's why it stuck out in my head the last time I Side said that. Note. And you looked at me like, Side note. <laughs> um, but yeah, if I'm at the end of life, and don't let me suffer. Yeah. You know, um, I wish my dad would have taken that option because when he got diagnosed um, with multimyalgia, or mul- multiple myalgia cancer or something like that, which is, it was all through his body. Um, they gave him six months to live. He lived six years. Wow. Yes, we lived a long time. But that last year and a half, two years... Was not... Yeah. It was garbage. Yeah, like no quality? No quality, man. Yeah. He's attached to an oxygen chain. Yeah. Still, and my, my dad being a tripper, he still smoked and almost caught himself on fire. Oh, I believe it. Many times, huh? Yeah, he went to go light the fucking his cigarette and like would burn the, the tube to his oxygen. All of a sudden, it... <laughs> Like Damn, that. Gina. Oh, yeah. Just stuff like that all the time. But, like, the last time that I saw him alive was before I moved back to California. I moved to Palm Springs. And uh, he was in the hospital. I went and visited him and you said went bye. went to Palm Springs of Palm Springs and not the Palm Springs of Washington? No, not the armpit of Washington, which is Yakima. Which they <laughs> Yakima. Say, Sounds the, like a hawk and a loogie. We're the Palm Springs of Washington. No, you're not. You're the sewage dump of Washington, dude. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, no, I was, went and lived in Palm Springs. And... Uh, you know, and I and I said goodbye to him, but he was looking all gaunt and pale and fucked up because hey, he's dying of cancer, right? You know, uh, and that's just the way that it is. I don't want my last couple of years to be that way. No, exactly. You know, let me enjoy my fucking life. And yeah. if if you say hey, it's terminal, when I start feeling bad every fucking day, and yeah. I'm, not, I'm not talking like if they said, "Hey, dude, you got cancer again, and you're gonna die," um, and like I catch a cold or something, and I go, "Oh, I have a headache." That's it. I'm out. No. I'm talking about, like, if every day is a, is a shit show. Yeah. And I, it keeps getting worse. By all means. Yeah. I support the Kevorkians of the world, Yeah, because my help, dad help was on out. hospice. We put him on hospice in June, and he passed away in August. But, I mean, it was just, it was as a way of pain management, because they couldn't maintain his, manage his pain any longer on regular, you know, prescriptions and stuff. They had to have the hospice care, because they have better pain management options. But in the end, he ended up getting a bladder infection on top of another infection he had. So his body just succumbed to the infections. And I couldn't imagine what my dad would have been like if he did not have that end-of-life pain management care. Oh, totally. You know? And so it was just, you know, all that. So even with all the evidence that points to his obvious guilt, he maintains his innocence. Due to this, the official reports actually indicate that his motivation was to the f- due to the fact that he was addicted to killing. 
He was. Much like someone else is addicted to drugs or alcohol. Okay? <laughs> and it's speculated that he just simply enjoyed watching his victims die and enjoyed the feeling he received knowing he had the control over which of his patients lived and which ones died at any given point in time. I agree. But it's a total superiority complex. And once again, I brought yeah. it up many times in this in this podcast in particular. It's a mommy thing. His mommy's sitting there and he's he's she's kissing Harold to ask him, look how wonderful you are. You're better than your brothers. You're better than your sisters. You're better than anybody else. And then he takes that all through life right and that you know what that really did and i really we can't even really blame harold with the exception of not pulling his head out of his ass right we got to blame his mom yeah like, and normally i don't blame parents because kids are way different than their parents a good example is me and my son i'm a very clean person i shower i don't smell like hot ass however i'm looking over at my son who's on the couch and he's not he a smells clean like person, hot ass and he smells like hot ass on a summer day yeah you know uh, that's yeah. just because you know we're we're just we're very different in that way. Yeah, but so, yeah. So you're you're being raised like that, and yeah. then he took it to another level. Like, hey, maybe I'm actually a god. And he had the god complex. He he's, did. Totally. He's taking out people that don't need to be taken out. Look, mm-hmm. if you were more like Dexter and you're taking out the bad guys, I'd give you kudos, dude. I would be proud of you. I dude, would be. Fucking- I would not only be proud of you. I would feature you almost every day. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I would. I'd be featuring you on this show multiple times. What's the update on Harold? Yeah, what is the shout out today? Yeah, the the shout out once again is Harold because you're like Dexter. You check out child molesters and drug dealers. Yeah, sweet, go for yeah. it, buddy. But no, you didn't. You're a piece of garbage. Yeah, or you took out old people who have lived their life and were still living their life. Yeah, yeah. Especially Grundy, man. Grundy's the biggest one right there because yeah. she was so in good shape, and so active, and so you know. Reminds me of my grandmother. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, like I said, so, my, grandma, my, my grandma probably yeah. died well into her hundreds. Yeah, the judge who oversaw the shipment inquiry would comment that the way in which he killed his victims, faced their relatives, and simply walked away without suspicion would normally be the work of fiction. You know? And Wait, it was Sherlock incredible Holmes shit that he was on. able to murder his victims for a period of decades without arousing anybody's suspicion, despite safeguards that were actually in place at the time. And that's another thing with it is, and that that tells us a lot about his psyche right there. When you can look at, you know, okay, I'm actually going to put your mom in a bad light this time. Uh oh, I know it's surprising. <coughs> I'm going to cough with my brains out because my sinuses keep drop- <coughs> draining. <coughs> God, I feel like shit. But uh, let's say that I was your mom's doctor. Right. And I went over to her and said, hey, Tammy's mom, I'm just going to draw some blood from you real fast. And let's say she's not a nurse because she'd be on to me like real quick. She'd be like, uh-uh, motherfucker. Yeah. Um, and I killed her. Right. How the fuck, unless you're totally sociopathic and you have no heart at all, can I look at you uh, when, when you call me in four hours? Right. And go... And you come over. Yeah, and I come over. Oh, Tammy, I'm sorry. Your, your mom, uh, you're not even, I don't even think he said he's sorry. But, well, yeah, she's dead. No, no reason to have an autopsy at all. I just saw her a couple of hours ago. Right. You know, yeah. this is a mystery. And, and then when I out. question you, you say, but she was a junkie. Yeah, and then you're to turn totally around. totally disparaging her character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, what can I say? Tammy's mom was a freaking junkie. You know, I, I gave her uh, 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 morphine all the time because she liked to shoot up. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's yeah, ridiculous. No, exactly. And and that honestly, I think that is more cold blooded than the murders themselves. Right. You know, to sit there 
and ruin someone's reputation. Oh, yeah. After they're dead, they can't defend themselves. Precisely. And Precisely. You know, like, I'm pretty sure that Grundy's daughter held her mom in high regards. Oh, very high regards. The community held her in high regards. Right. And now you're telling the community this bullshit. Yeah. And her daughter this bullshit. Yeah. Um, Hey, you know what? She was a junkie. So she was a piece of garbage type of a thing. Yeah. That's. She was bound to die anyways, basically. That is worse than killing her. Yeah, precisely. Exactly. Exactly. It's like he did. He Double damaged it. Oh, totally. Double jeopardied it. 100%. Yeah. So on January 13th of 2004, the day before his 58th birthday, at 6 a.m., Shipman, now known as the worst serial killer in British history. Worst. And the dumbest. I'm going to put the dumbest on there, too, because you yeah. thought you were smart there, Jack Holt, yeah, but you're he not. he was found hanging in his cell. Good. Yeah. There is some speculation on how he was actually able to do this, considering he was under suicide watch at the institution he was at previous to this, because he had just been transferred to another institution. (laughs) However, (laughs) nevertheless, he was able to use the sheets from his bed and hang himself from the bars in his windows. Some feel that it's no coincidence that he committed suicide not long (laughs) after his status was reduced, and this is going to drive it home a little bit too, from enhanced to basic. Now, what that means, yeah, not only did it sound bad for him, but this means he lost a lot of privileges. He lost the privilege of having a television set in his cell, and he lost the privilege of wearing his own clothes. He now had to wear a prison uniform. So he was cut down to a basic inmate, and in his mind, he is not basic. Harold, you're a basic bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. You just ain't nothing basic, but a basic bitch. You're a basic white bitch. That's right. Okay. <laughs> I am tickled. I am now happy with this sentence and how everything was carried yeah. out. I am tickled because you know what? Nobody deserves it more than, than this piece of garbage. Right. And to the families of his victims, the final act of committing suicide felt like yet another betrayal, since they would never get the answers they deserved, nor did they get the satisfaction of him fulfilling the sentence of spending the rest of his natural life behind bars. Oh, okay. Family members, hear my point of view on this, okay? And I'm really hoping, because we do have the English market, I think. Didn't we, we do. We, we, do. we did open up the United Kingdom. I thought we opened up the UK. Yeah. Check this out. Let me put this into perspective. Think about the torture he put himself through, not getting reduced down to just a basic bitch. And he can't have his TV, and he can't have his, his regular clothes. clothes. Yeah. And all of a sudden, maybe everything little mommy told little Harold isn't true. Oh, no. Yeah. What am I going to do? I'm just basic after all. I'm just basic and a piece of garbage, and I got caught. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, I bet you he fucked himself over on that in his head and beat himself up. So take a little bit of comfort in that, please. Because that kind of person, with that happening to him, I'm I'm 99% sure that is what went on in his brain. I'm, I am too. I am too. Because he was reduced to being basic. And mm-hmm. so he could not live with himself anymore. I, would vo- I could only be happier if somebody went by his cell every day and said, you're nothing but a common criminal and so basic. That would have been priceless, wouldn't I, it? I, I would actually pay somebody to do that. Yeah. So despite all the evidence and the people who knew Shipman was guilty, his wife and four children have never accepted it. 
They maintain his innocence and Primrose remained devoted to him until the day he died. She was actually glad he was transferred from his original facility to the one where he committed suicide because it was easier for her to visit him there. And well, now guess what, Primrose, visit, you're a basic bitch too. Yeah, now she must visit his gravesite like so many of the victims' families can visit their loved ones. I'll tell you what, visit his gravesite and pee on it. Yeah. That's how I feel about this guy. And there's, you know, I give my commentary on, on all these people that we, that we feature. Yeah. There's very few that I have so much malice for, you no. know. I mean, I make a lot of jokes and things like that. But this guy here, fucking what a piece of garbage. Yeah, precisely. Now, I do have some final thoughts on this one. Sure. Okay, and this was actually a difficult case for me to cover, especially since there didn't seem to be any, any obvious motivation for his arrogance. And since he was obviously so arrogant to the end, I struggled with what the families of the victims were going through. There is an obvious motivation, though. Yeah. And that comes down to behavioral conditioning. He was conditioned by his mother to be superior to everybody else, even though he was not. Right. You know, and I see that now because we've actually talked about it. You know, because I, I start to see things differently when I can hear somebody <laughs> else and I can see it different. You know what I mean? Because I'm a visual thinker. Right, right. My brain works differently than everybody right. else's. I got a weird and brain. And so when I was actually looking at this, I <laughs> did lean towards the fact that something in him triggered when he was 17 and had to witness his mother, who he cared so much for, be in pain and the obvious relief she experienced when the doctor arrived to administer the morphine injection. I think that even still, I think something in him... That was something in him. However, I'm still leaning toward the fact, even at this time, that he was just a cold-blooded murderer who would calculate in his mind who he would kill on any given day. And those of his patients that survive are truly lucky because for some reason he chose not to kill them yet. Exactly. Okay. And I disagree with uh, with what you say about uh, if it does pay a part, his mother being in pain. Then it's a minute part. I would I would agree with you though if and only if the people that he had killed were in pain were also in pain because right. there's there, there's a good parallel right there. Right. You know, hey, you know, I saw my mom go like like me. I saw my dad die of cancer. Right. You know, and it used him up. So if if I was in Shipman's position and I had seen that with my dad own dad dying, then yeah, I might talk to my patients and go, hey, look, why okay. suffer it? Let me help you out. Right. Okay. So you don't think, and I'm just throwing this out there. Okay. Yeah. Good okay. Part. I'm just throwing this out there to be devil's advocate because that's what I do a lot. Uh-huh. Is you don't think on some level that he was like, okay, they're getting up there in age. I don't want them to do that. I don't want them to suffer anyhow on any level. So why don't I, you know, take care of them now before they even suffer any amount of pain? Nope. And let me tell you why. No, I mean, I mean, like I said, I'm just just throwing that out there. So let me hear why, because I have my opinion on why that's not true too. But you know how I always say it's in what you don't say. Yes. If you really listen closely to the to what you just said to uh, uh, through this whole podcast, there's an underlying current that Shipman only cared about one thing himself. himself. That's right. it. He Harold Shipman cared about Harold Shipman. He didn't yes. give a shit about Grundy. He didn't give a True. shit about anybody else. He might slightly care about his wife and kids. Maybe. Slightly. Maybe. You know, but even knowing the, the condition of his home, 
mm-hmm. you know, um, and his wife staying at home. Being a doctor, or in my case, being a musician, if I was in that same position, okay, uh, it, given, given my career, I've got a stay-at-home wife, and I've got young children, my house looks like a fucking disaster area, kind of like what it does right now. Um, <laughs> you know, I would hire... You don't have a stay-at-home wife, though, that's the I problem. don't. I just have a stay-at-home, well, I'm a working kid. Anyway, I would hire a housekeeper at bare minimum, or sit down with my wife and go, okay, look here. I'm right. I'm working all day. I'm out killing people. <laughs> I'm doing my thing. I'm wiping yeah, out grannies. That is exhausting. <laughs> and it's exhausting. You know how hard it is to go house to house murdering out uh, old people? Um, you know, hey, pick shit up a little bit. Right. Organize things. You're not doing nothing. Don't watch soap operas all day or whatever the hell you're doing. Um, you know, help out. Or I would hire a housekeeper right. to come in and, and help my wife out. Because, you know, maybe she's got uh, reasons why she can't do it. Right. You know, we don't know. It didn't say anything about her, her health or anything like that. Right. And it didn't say what she was active in in the community or anything like that right. either. But I would you have know. made amends to, to do that. No. At the end of the day, though, Harold Shipman cared about Harold Shipman. Right. That's it. Right. That's all. And he didn't care if a woman or, or an, old, an elderly person is suffering, is sick. Um, or is, not quite sick yet, but could be or yeah, any no. of that. Yeah, none of that. No. I, I mean, and I agree with you. I was just throwing it out there because I know some people are going to say it. Oh, However, yeah, totally. I agree with that. I agree with you, not on the fact that Harold Shipman only cared about Harold fucking Shipman. That was the only person in his life that he cared about. I agree with you on the fact that the age range ranged from 41 <laughs> to 93. You can't tell me that he went and killed this 41-year-old saying, I don't want you to suffer. Yeah, no. Later. No, okay. he's not doing that. I don't that. want you to suffer 50 years from now, so I'm going to kill you now. Yeah, no, he, he did it because yeah. he's a piece of shit. Yeah. So that's what I mean. I, like I said, I just threw it out there because I know somebody's going to say, you know, but, but no, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. You know, then that, that, that's my main thing is that it sounds like most of his patients were viable still. Yes, very much so. You know, and I'm not going to say all of them. Maybe some of them were dying. But, okay. But they, I mean, they determined but, that, yeah, pretty much no, but yeah. Okay. But let's say for argument's sake that one or two or even let's do this. Even if it was a hundred percent of them that were that were right. dying, I don't think that was a contributing factor to his choice no. to murder him. I don't his, think so either. His thing was in his mind to keep that superiority, mm-hmm. that little god complex that he got from mommy, right? Because at the end of the day, Harold Shipman was just a little freaking right. mommy's boy. Yeah, because I even said that yet is the operative word. I feel like it was only a matter of time before all of his patients. Would have met the same fate. Oh, totally, you know. And I'm pretty sure if his wife ever hears this, they're going to want to sue me. And for this one here, much like one other that, or two other ones. You I'm know, not, that's a Homoka. Yeah. And I can, uh, in Homoka, I'll say the same thing I always have. Sugar tits. <laughs> I got attorneys. Which is a weird name yeah, anyway. Primrose. English, so. I got attorneys too. You want to bring it? Bring let's it. wrestle. Let's, <laughs> let's get ready to rumble there, sugar tits. Because... <laughs> You won't like the outcome. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. Oh, yeah. This is one <laughs> no that I'm very, barred. I'm very passionate about this one, much like Homolka, because I still think Homolka is a piece of... Oh, me too. She's a living piece of garbage. She is so. a living piece of crap. Yeah. That's yeah, just... Totally. And I, Totally. There's, there's nothing yeah. that anybody can do change their mind on that. you're still standing behind him, even though he took the coward's way out and committed suicide, if he was <laughs> truly fucking innocent... Yeah. He would fight that till his dying day. Exactly. And even the suicide points to everything that I was saying. Yeah. Because you went from, well, look, I get all these special privileges to, nah, you're basic. 
Yeah. You're going to wear a prison uniform. You're not going to wear your own clothes. Your TV's gone. You're going to live like everybody else is. And all of a sudden, you're just destroyed inside because yeah. somebody called you out yeah. on your bullshit yeah. and let you know that you are no better than the common criminal exactly. that's in there. You're no better than the street yeah. thugs. You're no better than the low-end yeah. drug He's dealers. He's not even at the celebrity ward at Folsom. Yeah, no. <laughs> You are you, you are just as low as the lowest scumbag in there. You're no better than the child molesters. Right. You're no better than the rapists. You're no better than the guy who was just peddling a little bit of cocaine here and there. Nope. You are a basic bitch. Basic. Basic bitch. Yes. Dude, you said it. You said it before I did, and I was pissed off at you. Because <laughs> I was sitting there going through, and I was just like, he was just a basic bitch. And then you go, he's like, it's like, fuck you. That's because I have ESP. I did it to you before, too, so it's all read good. Read your mind, man. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've been working with each other for long enough now that we can read each other's mind. That's scary, actually. It, it yeah, is kind of bit. because I haven't known you as well. We haven't started finishing, starting and finishing each other's sentences yet, so I'm good. Uh, yeah. Just just wait till me and your best friend get together. Oh, my dear God. I can't. No, that's not going to happen because <laughs> it'll be gang up on Tammy Day. Oh, don't. That's when I date your mom. <laughs> no, that is make Tammy's life hell day. <laughs> and that's, that's when you start hearing the funky noises from the other Yeah, end. okay. <laughs> I am done with this one. <laughs> oh man, we inject humor into everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, oh. this I wanted to ask this one more question, oh, and okay. I know your response to this. So I probably shouldn't even ask it because you're going to get on another soapbox. Probably. Is if you were in the position of his wife and children, would you remain devoted to him? Fuck the hell no. Okay. And let me tell you exactly why. Okay, love is love. Correct. Okay, I'm going to give you that, um, and I'm going to bring up my second ex-wife. Uh, her name was Amanda. And I was madly in love with Amanda. I would say I, I would have moved moon, moon and Stars from her, for her. So let's say in the best part of our relationship where everything is just flowers and unicorn farts. Um, rainbows. Right, yeah, rainbows are shooting out of our asses. Everything's perfect, you know. Um, <clears throat> let's say that I found out that she had been killing the neighbors. And she got caught for it and she's in prison. Now, I am going to be supportive through prison. Uh, through, through, through the trial process, because I want to know all the facts. Right. <clears throat> but if I'm talking to her, and she's giving me a line of bullshit, and I'm going, wait a minute. That doesn't line up with the facts that have actually been found out about you about this case. Right. Um, you know what? After you're in prison, I'm going to straight out file for that divorce, and I'm going to go, you know what? I feel like you were dishonest with me. You are full of right. shit. And I'm out of here, so, you know, have fun in prison because I'm done. Okay, I'm but if she, would, if she would have told you the truth and everything, would you have stood by her, even in prison? Or would you have just... <sighs> I mean, I was, just, I was just throwing that out there. I know, I know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I mean, because with me, because you know how much I hate being lied to. Absolutely hate being lied to. Thinking. So if somebody lied to me, I would be like, you know what, we're fucking done. But if they told me the truth, I might even still support them. I might move on with my life. Yeah, I, I think I'd be the same way. I think it would depend, honestly, on the reason. Right. You know, like if it was something... But I wouldn't fight for their... I wouldn't be like, no, you guys are full of shit. She's innocent. He's right. innocent. Whatever. Right, right. Um, if the reason was legitimate, like, um, let's just say hypothetically, and my, my ex-wife was never raped or anything like right. that or molested, but let's just say for hypothetical reasons that she was molested as a kid. Okay. And then she's hunting down child molesters. And she found out the neighbors were molesting children. Right. And she's off them. Uh-huh. 
I might actually help her hide the body. She Probably no would. I'd be like, it's a child molester. Okay, well, fine, honey. I guess we got work to do tonight. <laughs> Let me make a call. No, I can't fly over here to be in this studio because um, I'm busy. Yeah. You know, and if she got caught and everything like that, um, I'd be very supportive of her, you know. And I would even probably go to the media and say, hey, look, I understand why she did it because these are child molesters. Yeah. Nobody does shit about them. Yeah. They get to be released. I would, I'd, be, I'd have her back on that. But it was a thing like, well, let me tell you. Um, Tiffany over here has a pink shirt and right, right, I don't right. think it's fair. So I had to kill her. And then Donna over here bought the, got the new Mercedes and you didn't buy me a brand new Mercedes. Mine is two years old. And so I had to stab her in her, in her twat and, and kill her. If it's, if it was bullshit like that, I right. look at her and go, number one, I can't believe I married stupid. And number two, are you really that egotistical yeah, like and think you're, that you're better than everybody else? Yeah, I mean, you yeah. think you're better than everybody else. Yeah. You're egotistical and, uh, and and you're selfish and you're materialistic. You know what? Have fun in prison. I hope they give you the death penalty and I hope they shove a counterpart up your ass. Yeah. But that's me because I'm a, I'm a sensitive guy like that. You are kind of a very sensitive guy. I'm <laughs> glad I know you. I think. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. I'll ask me tomorrow. Yeah, so it, it would really, it, it would depend on the circumstances. That's it's a pretty broad question mm. at, at why, you know, type of a thing. Right. Because I could see still standing by him and, you know, because you are his wife till death do you part, good and bad, blah, 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 whatever. Okay. Um, however, I do not see, like, devote the blind devotion and trying to maintain his innocence when you're being shown all the facts that point to his guilt. Right. And that tells me that she lives in her own special world. Yeah. Where... uh, Well, she was kind of sheltered by her mother as well. mm -hmm. And she did act as his mommy in several instances. Right. Where facts don't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, the only fact that matters is in her her mysterious little world where... Her husband is innocent, 100%. But yeah. wait a minute. We have concrete proof that all this went yeah. down. Oh, no. He, st- he couldn't have done that. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, that's that's where I was. I just I just wanted to ask that question because, you know, that's going to... And I asked the question to our, our readers and our listeners because I want to hear what people say. You right. Know, because I want to know how, you know, if somebody else were in that position, would they maintain that? So, yeah, so for, for me, it comes down to how you justify your actions. Yeah, I was going to say, because you know me, I am loyal to a fault. To a fault. I mean, I will stick behind somebody to the bitter end and Stand defend by them. your man. Yeah, well, man, woman, friend, child, I don't care. And mm-hmm. unless I find out they've lied to me, right. then, then it's like, that's my reputation going down the drain, too. Oh, totes. You know? So it's like. That's how I look at it is I am completely loyal on that aspect of everything that um, but at the same time, if you're showing me fact after fact after fact that can't be disputed, no matter how many times I try to attack it from a different angle, you know, and this person over here is telling me, no, but I didn't and I can freaking tear apart their defense, then I'm not going to be loyal anymore. I can't. Uh, Exactly. And I'm a very... I'm a fact-based person, and I can sift through bullshit very, yes. very well. Because in my industry, you gotta be. Right. And I've always prided myself on being almost a human lie detector, you know, because I look at things from all different angles. You should be a music agent. I, I do. I look at things from all different angles. I will go through every case scenario, every scenario, and I 
and I can run through them pretty quickly in my mind, you know, that if it doesn't, if two and two isn't adding up to four, then there's something wrong here. And so, you know, it just boils down to that. And, you know, I just wrote a letter to a friend of mine, too, you know, saying, you know, that my whole thing with his situation was the fact that he lied to me, that he straight up looked me in the eye and lied to me. You know, that was my whole thing. It wasn't anything else he had done. And he needed to know that. Right. right. And, and so nobody thinks I'm really fucking heartless or anything like, you know, especially with Amanda, even if she would have. And she didn't kill anybody, by the way. But this is just all hypothetical. But if that would have, if, if she was a, a, a murderer, my love for her wouldn't have changed. No, that's true. I'd Mine s- wouldn't have either. I'd still be madly in love with her. Right. And I think in some ways I might still be. And we've been divorced fucking for 18, 19 years. Wow. Um, for, for a long fucking time. 19? Almost 20? I was going to say, your son's 18. It was uh, before him. So Yeah, I'm trying to do math in my head. We got... Our divorce was final just after Jake was born. Oh. His mom and I were kind of a whirlwind. Let us not talk about this. Yeah, no, because that I will get sued over, and uh, then yeah. I won't be able to defend myself against that. Um, no. But, but um, yeah, no. And you know. That's uh, exactly what my whole point, you know, with this friend of mine is that, you know, when he did that, it totally turned my world upside down. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, I had to start looking at things differently. And it actually took me a lot because it's like after this happened, I quit trusting anybody. You know, especially doctors. (laughs) Yeah, no, (laughs) I quit trusting anybody. And for me to get to a point where I can trust again, I have to go into it telling people, okay, I'm going to trust you. But if you lie to me, it's over. I have cut off several relationships because somebody's lied to me. It's like, nope, no second chances, you know. Okay, so I have actually crop dusted you a couple of times. You didn't know it. <laughs> I'm so sorry for please, lying to me this for morning. Lying to you that I have <laughs> never off, crop dusted Scott. you. I have, um, <laughs> I, and on up, purpose. Scott. Oh, now the truth shines through. <laughs> oh my goodness! I don't know. You know what? I got it. We got to go so I can fucking wrap my mind around this one. I don't know if I can work with you anymore. <laughs> I really hope you guys enjoyed this podcast today because uh, this is one of the few ones that we can actually add a lot of humor to. Yes. <clears throat> and while giving you the the rundown on uh, on Harold Shipman. Yeah, Doctor Harold Shipman. All yeah. right. This has been Brutal Nation. I've been your host Scott Alexander. My co-host being Tammy Underwood. This show is copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC, all rights reserved. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation.cast at gmail.com. And please check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. There's also another good show. And more shows that are going to get released uh, fairly soon. Yeah, fairly soon. Some very interesting ones. And currently, unless we change this um if you're shopping on amazon please use the link provided on our website to access amazon it doesn't cost you anything else in it uh you know anymore and it uh, does help out the show quite a bit yep all right we thank you guys and we will talk to you guys later bye-bye bye